Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. If you are a guest with us, welcome to River Valley. I'm thankful that you are here. Uh, you can be turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4 uh, is where we're going to be today. One of the things I found so interesting about 1 Peter as a whole is Peter's writing so that the church can be ready for uh, a persecution that's coming to all of them. And so he tells them what to do. What's interesting is it's not... It's not different than, than what he would tell you and I to do today. That's what makes it applicable. In other words, it's not like, oh, well, that's for people who are going into persecution. That's not really me. The, the, the ideas are the same. God has a way for us to prepare for the future regardless of what it holds in our lives, regardless of if good things are coming, blessings are coming, hardships are coming. The way that we connect is so important, and the way that we live our lives uh, determines the rewards that we're going to have in heaven. So today we're going to look at our attitude and what that plays a part of. So let me show you an illustration. This is a, a, on an instrument panel, uh, what it would look like in an airplane. And the, the image on your right, this is called an attitude. Your attitude is, is the, the orientation of the plane according to the horizon. So you see in the, the image on the left, that uh, the plane is level with the horizon. So you see that the image on the right, the plane is banking slightly towards the right. So the idea is um, the attitude shows the performance of the plane. If it's nose up, it's going up in the air, but it's also losing uh, some momentum because it's climbing. It's going down, you can say or the opposite of that. And the idea is it shows performance, but the only way to change the performance is to change the attitude. And I love that illustration because the way that you and I change how we live our lives is by first changing how we think about our lives. By having a correct attitude, we can change the performance of our lives. So today, uh, Peter's going to instruct the church of three attitudes they need to have in different situational, uh, in different situations. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to go back into the text three times. So first one in verse, uh, chapter four, verse one. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, so he's writing just off of a long passage about Jesus dying, he suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding or attitude. Here's what it should be. The one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has all, uh, already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and uh, lawless idolatry. So Paul tell, or Peter tells them in this text, I want you to keep a militant attitude towards your sin. Keep a militant attitude towards your sin. Listen to the military terminology in this phrase. He says, arm yourselves. In other words, pick up a weapon so that you will be able to fight. How do we arm ourselves with a correct understanding or a correct attitude? And then in verse 3 or verse 2, he warns them so that you, in order to live, like this is life and death, what we're talking about. So we have to have this militant attitude. In other words, this battle attitude that I'm going to fight and what I'm going to fight first and foremost is my own sin. I am going to vigilantly fight against the sin that is in my life. 
I'm going to root my life out in such a way that there's no area of my life that's off limits to the Holy Spirit speaking to me, that I'm going to be holy in every single thing that I do. I'm going to keep a militant attitude in doing all of those things. So here's what I wrote. Our, underst- our attitudes are weapons, and weak or wrong thoughts will lead to death. If your attitude or your understanding is a weapon, if you have the wrong weapon or the wrong attitude, the wrong understanding, then you are in danger of death. You are in danger of defeat. We have got to keep a militant attitude towards our own sin as we go into the future. He gives us several ways to think about this in order to do that. First of all, he says, Christ suffered in the flesh. When we think about our sin, we have to understand that Jesus died for my sin. When Jesus was on the cross, I was the one who was mocking him. When Jesus was dying on the cross, I was the one who was calling out his name and mocking him, spitting upon him, making fun of him. It it was my sin that kept Jesus on the cross. He died not for the sin of the whole world, but in my attitude, he died for my sin. And you and I can never get away from the fact that Jesus died because we willingly chose to sin. We willingly chose to walk away from him. It takes away this flippancy of like, well, Jesus died, but he's resurrected. No, he died, and he died because I sinned. And so we, that's part of the, the way that we think. So it helps us to understand, I'm not going to live in this sense of like, oh, God will forgive me. Oh, it's no big deal. He really and truly died for our sin. Secondly, he says, we arm ourselves with that same attitude. Why? Because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. So suffering, God can put us into suffering so that it purges us from sin. Now, God didn't want to do this, but God loves you so much that he doesn't want to let us live in sin. And so if we choose to not deal with sin uh, drastically, and by that I mean, look, if you're struggling with sin, like truly um, back and forth and trying to get rid of it, I think God is so proud of you. It's the ones that, that, that are just like, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I'm just this way. I've always been this way. You know, I can't, I can't break free. You've kind of accepted your sin that God says, okay, if you live in that long enough, let me tell you what I'm going to do. You're going to suffer in the flesh. And the reason that you're going to suffer is because I want to purge you from sin. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who suffers is in sin. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that if you continue to willfully sin, God warns you and he's going to help you or he's going to put you at some point into actual suffering so that you can experience a spiritual victory. So write that down. Physical suffering can lead to spiritual victory. You and I, if we suffer in our lives because of sin, one of the reasons is that God's trying to loosen it from our lives so that we cannot live in that kind of defeat anymore. He's trying to get our attention. Now, the problem is, is that the moment that I start going into this kind of suffering, what I do, God, please take away the suffering. God, please, I don't like this suffering. You know, please take it away, which is fine to pray. I mean, in fact, you're weird if you don't pray that prayer. You, you, you know, like you're like, woohoo, bring it on. All right, no one does that, all right? If you do, we have counseling here on Wednesdays. Uh, so, but if that's all you do, you're missing what God's doing. You're missing how God's trying to work in, in your life. And so what you need to do is to understand uh, in, in verse um, 2, he says, 
We, we do this so that we can be no longer remain in the flesh, but we can have our, our desires be for God's desires. So in other words, he's, he's showing us like, look, you're living for the flesh and your desires aren't mine. So uh, my old pastor taught me to pray this, and it's one of the best things that you can do. So if you're in the midst of suffering, pray this prayer. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Like, what's the lesson? What's going on? How can I learn from this? Is there some way that I think that is incorrect with the way that you've wired up the world? Is there something that I'm doing that is displeasing in your sight? And my pastor always, actually always prayed this, and then the second prayers, help me to learn quickly. Uh, yeah, which I think is a great prayer. Lord, teach me, but help me to learn quickly. Uh, uh, so, so that I don't just continue to, to go into this suffering, not understanding what's going on. We need to keep this militant attitude towards our sin. And here's the deal. Verse 3, he says, you already know what you used to do in the past. Um, used to do, and he gives us this list, and it's kind of an ugly uh, list. I mean, things you don't hear uh, talked about much in church. I told the first service, they didn't think it was funny at all, like no one laughed. But the thing that I think is weird on that list is carousing, um, in, in the sense of like, when you read that whole list, those are really bad sins, and then you're like, what, what's your bad sin? You're like, I carouse. Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I think what it is, I really, I think what it is, is people who carouse, you know, they're out late, they're looking for sin to do, is the idea. Like, just go home, quit looking. And so I, I think that's what he's, he's talking about in that idea. But here's the deal. The sins that you did before Christ are the sins that are going to draw you back, be the most tempting in your life. Those things that you did before Christ, those are the things that are, you're going to always have to put up boundaries and roadblocks on so that when you are uh, tempted, when times get tough, that you don't go back into those sins. And so for some of us, uh, this is problematic because we really didn't learn to live for Christ till much later on in life, and we got a lot of sinning under our belts. I mean, you were like, I'm going for the record, you, you know, and so that, and so you've got a lot of that. What, what are you going to do when you're tempted? You're going to be tempted to go back into it. This, by the way, is why we emphasize children's and youth ministry so much at River Valley. Because children and student ministry, if we can teach, if we can get students uh, to live for Christ early, they have so much less temptation in their life. They have so much less exposure to sin in their life. And that's exactly what we want. So that they're not tempted in the ways that people who have lived a long time without Christ are tempted. So we need to learn to vigilantly kill our sin, and then we also need to learn God is warning us. If you don't, I will put you into suffering to help you. It is a warning from Christ. Now listen, you guys know me. You, I mean, I am not that type of preacher very often. What's funny about you is that every time I start yelling at you and getting on to you about sin, I have so many people come up and go, I loved it. Hit me again. Uh, every single time, you know, every time. And uh, this is, this is that moment. This is God telling you, like, look, I love you too much to let you go down this path. And so if you continue to walk down this path, there will be a moment where, where I, will, I will roadblock you, like something bad will happen. And it's not me being mean to you. It's me slapping you and going, wake up, wake up. This is the path to destruction. This is the path to hurt and heartache. Get off. 
Get off the path. Repent from that. So, first thing, we arm ourselves with the attitude that says, I keep a militant attitude towards my own sin. Number two, in verse four, this is uh, evil people. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. So the second thing he says, we need to keep a patient attitude towards the lost. Patient attitude towards the lost. We can never get away from the fact that we don't have people who are enemies in Christianity, even those who are very diametrically opposed towards Christianity. And he shows us how this works out in our life. He says, um, and this is the hardest part. I, I went through this. It's the weirdest thing in the world when we, um, when we start living for Christ as an adult and the people that we are around don't. It is, a, it is a weird phenomenon. Those, those conversations are so strange. You, you know, like, I remember, I remember uh, a guy trying to talk me into coming back to sinning with him, and uh, I was just living for the Lord, so I was really new. And he was like, you know, and, and he says, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And I was like, I don't remember reading that in the Bible. And years later, I figured out, God didn't say that. Ben Franklin said that. Yeah, you know, but like, I didn't even know at the time. I was like, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm an idiot, you, you know? And now, now 20 years later, I want to go back, no, it's you, you, you know? So, and, and, and this is what happens. They, they, we, we separate from them. And the Bible specifically says that this should happen. They're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living. One of the big temptations when you start living for the Lord is like, I'm going to live for the Lord, but I'm going to keep this old group and habits over here. And the Bible says, do not do that. Break, break away. Get away from that. We do not join them. We don't like join them, but try to live for the Lord. We get away because there's, it's such newness that it's very, very hard um, to actually stay strong when, when you're surrounded by people who aren't living for the Lord. So this happened to me. I, uh, I lived about five years after high school uh, not living for the Lord, and then five years from that was my 10-year reunion. I've been living for the Lord for five years, so I've broken away uh, from a lot of those old people. But at five years, I was strong enough, I was able to go back at my 10-year reunion. And at my 10-year reunion, I was able to witness to a lot of them. I, I went, and you know, they would be partying, and somebody would go off for a and I'd be like, hey, man, let's, how's everything? Talk to them about the Lord. Um, I preached, uh, preached a sermon that Sunday and invited all of them uh, to come hungover uh, to church. It was awesome. And, uh, and we, we, had, we baptized one of my classmates and then led another classmate to the Lord. Uh, There's probably 10 of my classmates there to hear me. So it was a great, great weekend. But I had to, you have to break away from that in order to, to be uh, confident in going back in that they needed. And one of my favorite like, like I, have, I have some degrees, but one of my favorite plaques is the one that they gave me at my 10-year reunion. They didn't give me the most likely to succeed. They gave me the most changed. And uh, I love that. I thought that was awesome because they were like, dude, you are not like you were in high school. I was like, I know, and don't tell Melinda any of those stories. Uh, those are dead, all right? So, so we can go back, but it, it, we, have to, we have to break free from them. Now, this is hard. 
because we think there are friends um, like, like just uh, because of a relationship. And really, most of the time, the, the, the activity is what holds you together. And so when you stop doing the activity, then you, you don't really have a, a connection within your, your framework. And so you have to break free of that. Now, we have the same, and, and as God has new friends for you, but there's usually a period in there where it's, it's pretty lonely. So you break free, and then it takes a while to make friends, even Christian friends. So there's usually a period in there. And let me tell you what, the best lesson that you learned in that period is that God truly is sufficient. He really is enough. Like, you want friends, and he will give you friends, but before you have friends, you won't have any, and he'll show you, I'm enough. I am so sufficient for all of your needs. And then when you come back into, especially when you come into the church, listen, we do this as well. We have friendships that begin around interest. Uh, in, in groups, we have three different types of groups. We have community groups. They meet and they discuss the same passage of Scripture that's preached on Sunday. Uh, we have topical groups. They start out and they want to study a specific topic of the Bible. Uh, so like financial peace does finances. Reengage does marriage. So those are topical groups. But we also have interest groups. Groups. Interest groups, uh, we have uh, Fitness and Freedom. They meet every Tuesday morning here on the campus, a group of women. Next semester, we're going to have two, morning and night, and they meet together, uh, and they do uh, physical uh, education—they uh, work out. I don't know what—I don't, I don't, I don't know what to, you know, but it's, it's not just, you know, playing Olivia Newton-John songs, right? It's—that it's, uh, is, that is an age joke. If you laugh— yeah, all right. If you didn't laugh, you're the future, baby, all right, because we're on our way out, all right? Um, <laughs> so, um, but the idea is, is it's not just like, let's work out. Man, they study the Bible. They, they talk about being holy and whole. And we would love, listen, if you're one of those that has a, like a real true interest and you would like to use that in the gospel of Christ, we would love to talk with you about that, about starting an interest group at River Valley. So right outside these doors, Ben and Josh are be at the connections table. They would love to talk with you about that. Now, what's so important about that is the Bible talks about in this text that they, they preached the gospel. They preach the gospel. So, so you can't just be a group that likes to skeet shoot and then says, in Jesus' name, amen. Or you can't just be a, a type of group that likes to crochet and then just says, you know, uh, you know we, we make doilies to the glory of God or whatever. All right? What I really want to see is a group that one week skeet shoots and one week crochets. That is a very, that's an interesting group, right? Like that's, a, that's an interesting mix right there. So, but but you, you start out that way, and that's how we, we find friends. And so, and here's the deal, though. Again, we see, um, we see in, verse, in verse 6, they're judged not by human standards, but they begin to live for God's standards. When we do this correctly with the lost, listen, when we don't just join in, when we do this correctly, it, it, it makes a profound impact. And, and we, we keep an attitude of, of love towards lost people. We want to be with them. We want to be around them. We want to be uh, engaged by them in such a way that they, you know, hey, what's going on? Why, why are you at this church? Like, how, how, what do you learn? Like, something's different about you. Let me tell you, his name is Jesus, and he's changed my life, and he's so good, so that we truly, truly care about those. But we can't try to get them to act saved, that's the bad mistake, all right? So don't, don't you know, like, I just wish you, that you would stop doing this. No, 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 all right? That, 
they do that because they're lost. Let's, let's get their, their attitude changed, their heart towards Jesus, and he will work out all of those things over time. Number three, verse seven. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, be sober-minded. Why? So that you can pray. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers over a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So, the third attitude, we need to keep an expectant attitude towards Christ, especially towards Christ's return. Jesus is coming back. Mark my words, he is coming back. The Bible says he is near. His time is coming near. Now, all of the people that read this in their day, they thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. So they thought, I mean, it was any day now. And the Bible says that his coming is near. So 2,000 years, he still hasn't come back. But the Bible specifically says why. He's being patient with those who are not saved yet. Like he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to eternal life. So he's being patient with those. So if you don't know Christ yet, the reason that he's not returned is because he wants you to know him before he comes back. Because after it's too late. And so we want to serve Christ here, and he is coming back. One of these days, the last person on the earth will be saved. The very last one, and Jesus will be like, that's it. That's all that are going to say, uh, come into my kingdom, and he'll come. That's what's keeping him right now. And so we need to keep this expectant attitude towards the fact that Jesus is coming back. And I want him to come back and find me on the battlefield and find me serving him. Because it could be today. He could come back right now. And so I want to live like he's coming today. And so uh, what I wrote down is how we live today shows our attitude towards Christ, but also how we live determines our eternal reward. Even if Jesus doesn't come back into your lifetime, the way that you live right now affects your eternity in the sense that the, the rewards that you get are determined by the way you live your life today by the way that you, you do, the things that you say. I mean, and so we have to live that way, like he's coming back. And even if he doesn't, I want a rich reward in heaven. And so it gives us several of the ways. First of all, he says, be alert with sober thinking. When you're, when you're not sober, your mind is frenzied, your mind is all over the place, and that, that hinders your prayer life. And so he says, we want to be sober in our thinking, right in our thinking, so we can pray correctly. And then he says, we need to love one another. We talked about that a lot last week. You love the church. And then he gives us some specific, three specific examples of spiritual gifts. Each one of us, when we are saved, God gives us a spiritual gift gift or, or multiple gifts. And those gifts are different for everyone. It's, he says the very grace of God. So he varies his grace. You get this gift, you get this gift, you get this gift. I love people with the first gift. He says, be hospitable to one another. I love people with the gift of hospitality because they bring you over and guess what? Their house is clean and it smells nice and they've invited you in and there is something warm in the oven. I love helping people 
with the gift of hospitality, use their gift. They cook the food, I eat the food. Or I'm, I'm helping you out. You, you know, like, I want to I make sure that you get big rewards in heaven. And so, so, listen, you can do great ministry with an oven. You can do absolutely great, great ministry with an oven. If you want to find out uh, the list of the spiritual gifts in the Bible, the two main ones are, are Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, but they're not exhaustive lists. In other words, there are other, other types of gifts that aren't in there, but hospitality is one that's mentioned. And so we've got to be hospitable. Even if you aren't gifted in hospitality, that doesn't mean that you don't need to practice hospitality. And so we have a whole group of people uh, here on Sunday morning that, that are part of our hospitality teams. They're, them and the worship team are the first to arrive. They're here early. But they're making you coffee. Aren't you glad? Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, I mean you know, like, uh, they, they set out donuts. They, they, they make sure, you know, they, they just uh, bought some new equipment. So it doesn't just function well. It looks nice. And, and, and they're practicing that gift of hospitality. And then he gives us two other gifts. He gives us speaking and um, uh, what's the uh, uh, serving so speaking and serving and so we've got to learn how to find our gifts how do you do that well first of all it's a spiritual gift so you pray to God the spirit G God the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual gift so you just ask him we used to tell people just fill out this instrument I just I, I don't like that uh, just ask God let God speak to you let God show you and I'm going to give you and these are practical ways that you can figure it out so, God, show me my spiritual gift. Show me what you gave me. And then you begin to kind of test through it if you really have that gift. How? Well, here's a couple of qualities. Number one, you're good at the gift. Uh, in other words, when uh, well, he uses speaking. So, I think I have the gift of speaking. But if I think I have the gift of speaking, but no one wants to listen, then I'm wrong. I mean, you, you know, like, you, you know, at some point you have to be like, okay, are you good enough that people are like, eh, he's okay, you know, I mean, whatever, you know. And so, so you're, you're good at it. Now, you aren't perfect at it at first, but, but you're good enough right out of the bat. You're like, man, you got, like, there's, there's some about this. Be really, really careful with this. Sometimes we like doing it because of what it, does. Like, I see a lot of people who want to be stage people, and it's not that they're gifted in those areas. They like everyone looking at them. They love everyone looking at them, but they're, they're, not, they're not good at it. So, example, I live on the golf course. Um, I don't golf, by the way. I golf cart. It's totally different. All right, so, uh, so, but I do watch golfers a lot, and so I sit on my back porch, and the second tee is right outside, and I can watch them. And I, I'm here to tell you that I don't know about all the golf courses in America, but at the Lost Pines Golf Course, about one in 50 golfers is good. Uh, that's about it. I mean, the rest of them, I mean, you can just tell by the way they swing. You're like, ooh, man, they are a hack. And that is fine because they're out there to have fun with their friends. It's, but you're not going to go to the professional tour doing that. That's a hobby. You're not ever going to be good enough to, to make that your primary thing. And that's okay. That's a hobby. So you might like speaking a little bit, but, but you're never going to be good at it in the sense of the spiritual gift of it, because it's not just the proficiency, it's how the Holy Spirit works as you are using that, that you're good at. So be careful when you think that you're good at it, you're not really looking at, you know, I just kind of like the way this, this thing unfolds. But then number two, it energizes you. It energizes you. What the Bible says, it says this great phrase. It said, let it be from the strength that God provides. 
Let it be from the strength that God provides. God energizes you in your spiritual gift. And you're not supposed to use it just in the church. You're supposed to use it in the world. In fact, you're supposed to think, okay, how can I use this gift to leverage uh, the platform that God has given me in the kingdom of God? So if you're a leader, be a leader in the church, but also be a leader in the community. Be a leader in your, in your job. Man, do those things to the glory of God. Also, I'm going to ask your uh, prayers for this for me. Uh, if you would, Tuesday morning, this Tuesday morning, 9 a.m., uh, a friend of mine uh, is having a conference, and uh, he invited me to, to speak. And so we're going to talk about uh, church growth and leadership and uh, church planting. And so uh, let's be honest, like there are not a lot of people asking me to come preach at their conference. Most people, when they hear the name Cody Whitfield, they go, who? All right, so that, that's, that's, you know, my claim to fame. And so, uh, so it's a cool opportunity, so I'm really excited about it. So pray for me Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, that's a side note, shameless plug. All right, so, uh, so we're gonna, it's going to energize us along the way. Now, we need to learn to use these gifts to leverage them for the kingdom of God. Let me give you a couple of really practical good ways to do this. First of all, here's our Christmas service coming up, classic Christmas is December, uh, Saturday, December 10th at 4 p.m. The reason that one is at 4 is because the, the Christmas parade downtown is, uh, I think it's 6 or right at dark. Uh, and so we don't want those to compete. We want, if you, we want you to be able to do both. So Saturday at 4 p.m. And then Sunday morning, December 11th, only one service. 10 a.m. and then Sunday night, uh, one service, uh, 6 p.m. And so multiple times so that we, you know, you can serve in one, bring your family to one uh, type of thing. So we want you to sign up to help myrivervalley.church slash Christmas. And so there are all types of ways that you can use your gift in all types of avenues, whether that be in children's ministry, whether that be in hospitality, that whether that be with the pictures, whether that be with uh, greeting people, uh, all of those things. We need all of the gifts in all of those ministries because if you think about it, you got a teacher over here and somebody's uh, good at teaching, fantastic. But somebody is teaching, but so maybe their, their lessons aren't as great, but they have the gift of mercy. And then all of a sudden, they've got somebody in their, in their group, and man, they're struggling, and they, they kick into gear. We've got somebody else over there, and they have the gift of service, and that's needed in our church. Like, look at me, think about it. Somebody, some uh, family gets out, and they've got multiple kids, and they, they pull up to River Valley, which happens every week, and they've got kids, and they've got strollers and bags and, you know, all, bottles and all of these things. They're getting out and everything. The last thing they need is somebody with the gift of teaching go, you know what the problem is? you got too many kids. All right? You, you know, you're like... <laughs> That, uh, tonight, all right, that you're not helping, all right? What do they need? The Bible says the gift of service, the gift of service. They need somebody to be, hey, can I help you? Oh, please. Uh, you know, yes, please. Uh, they need somebody with the gift of service. So there's all kinds of ways for us to do this at Classic Christmas. So I want you to sign up and be part of that. The second serve opportunity is here on the stage for the worship team. Uh, all of the things that we do here. Listen, we have a really good band. Uh, I'm very, very proud of the, the music and the worship here at River Valley. But that doesn't mean that we don't need you. That doesn't mean like we're set, we're good, okay? We, we, in fact, you've seen a lot of new faces rotating around. We want, we want our musicians to have time off. We want, uh, you know, different people playing different instruments. And so if you're good at any of these things, we would love uh, to talk with you. You can, worship, uh, you can email worship at myrivervalley.church, and uh, we would love to have you be a part 
of the worship team in that way. Uh, I have emailed them multiple times, and they have rejected me. Uh, and it hurts. It cut me deep. Uh, so, so, but maybe you, you can get in. So here's the deal. Let's, let's, let's review real quick. Keep a militant attitude towards sin. If you are embracing sin, in other words, not actively fighting it, then the Bible warns us that there will be a time of suffering coming. God loves you too much to just leave you to your sin. He will not do that. He loves you. And so he's warning you, don't do that. And, I can, and he, he, he can help us overcome that. Christ suffered for us so that we don't have to suffer in our own sin. Number two, keep a patient attitude towards the lost, the people that we're going to invite for Christmas, the people that we're going to talk to uh, about Jesus. But um, the way that we do this first and foremost is that, is that we don't join them in their sin. We become different. We become holy. We don't carouse around at night looking for how we can sin. We go home. We come to church. We do the things of God. Number three, we keep an expectant attitude towards Jesus because the end of all things is near. And we do that specifically by helping the church function. By helping the church run. We use our gifts in the church for the kingdom of God. So let's pray about those attitudes right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are in sin. God, and aren't actively fighting against their sin. They're not, they've embraced it. Well, that's just the way it is. Or, you know, I've tried before. It's, it's not getting any better. This is it. God, I pray that you would show them freedom in Christ uh, I pray that you would uh, help them to be overcomers. God, I pray um, that they look at their friends and their relationships in that, that they, don't, uh, that they don't go back to the sin of their youth. Father, I pray that they would turn before they have to suffer. God, we pray for our attitude towards the lost. God, may we always have a sensitive heart towards those who don't know Jesus Christ. But God, may we show them difference by the fact that we don't live like the world lives. We don't talk like the world talks. We don't think like the world thinks. God, help us to keep a different attitude. And God, help us to expectantly live for you. Jesus, how awesome would it be to come back today? Please, Jesus. I long to be with you. There is nothing better. But Jesus, if you should choose to not come during my lifetime or during our lifetime, help us to live for the rich rewards there are for those who would serve you all the days of their life, faithfully. God, putting our hand towards the plow and not looking backwards, help us to serve you well. Our attitude determines our performance, Jesus. May our attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who suffered on the cruel cross, who was raised to life. God, give us the attitude of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship the risen Jesus. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. 
you are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.